0: Son of Adam, said Aslan, you have sown well, and you, Narnians, let it be your first care to guard this tree, for it is your shield. The witch of whom I told you has fled far away into the north of the world. She will live on there, growing stronger in dark magic, but while that tree flourishes, she will never come down into Narnia. She dare not come within a hundred miles of the tree, for its smell, which is joy and life and health to you. It's death and horror and despair to her.
1: Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcasts, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. My name is Kel. And I'm Chase. And thank you for joining us on this day. Hopefully, it's lovely wherever you're at. Today, it's a little frosty in Austin, Texas. Yeah, Don't know about the.
0: It's raining in Dallas-Fort Worth.
1: So, you know, that's where we're at. But hopefully it's nice whenever you're you're hearing this. Uh, Just a reminder that we are talking about The Magician's Nephew today. It's the first book in the series. But general spoiler warning for all of the Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we're going to talk about other things Probably Lord of the Rings, probably Harry Potter. It's just the way it goes, but we'll try to give some spoiler alerts if we feel it's necessary. Uh, Today, we're going to be discussing the penultimate chapter of the first book of the Narnia series, uh, The Planting of the Tree.
0: Heck yeah. And also, Happy 2021, right? This is coming out. By
1: the time time this comes out, Happy 2021. Hopefully that's a thing. Or it's... Or it's December uh, 32nd or 33rd.
0: That's really uh, what Congress has been doing this week. It's uh, it's changing it so that 2020 never ends.
1: God forbid. Uh, please don't. This is the long winter.
0: Well, now that it's 2021, all of our problems are over. So I'll read a summary. Yes. <laughs> all right. So chapter 14, the planting of the tree. Uh, Diggory has just landed and given the fruit to Aslan, who says, well done in a voice that makes the earth shake, so not like the voice that I just made. Um, Aslan says that because he has hungered and thirsted and wept for the fruit, that Diggory will be the one to plant the tree that's going to protect Narnia. Diggory throws the apple into some soft dirt near the river, and then they all go to the coronation of the king and queen of Narnia, Frank and Helen. The king and queen were now dressed in a strange, beautiful clothing, and their faces had settled with a sense of kindness and courage. Aslan then says to untangle a cage of trees the animals had made nearby, where inside they found three things. There were two young trees, one made of gold, the other of silver, and then there was Uncle Andrew. Not a tree. Well, I mean, former tree. Former Um, tree. So the animals had put him in a cage when they realized he was, in fact, not a tree. Uh, but they didn't know what to do with him. They tried to feed him. That didn't go well. They named him Brandy because that was the only sound he made. And then Polly asked Aslan if he can say anything to calm Uncle Andrew down and make him you know, not come back to Narnia. Uh, Aslan says it would do no good because Andrew has closed himself to Aslan's voice. The only good he can do for him now is to put him into a sleep to get him out of the way. Now that Andrew is taken care of, Aslan has uh, dwarves take the gold and silver trees and craft them into crowns for the king and queen's heads. Aslan then has them kneel and he gives them his blessing. Everyone cheers. It's a great time. And then they turn around and the tree has appeared on the riverbank full of silver apples. This is an
1: unexpected meeting
0: wild who would have known that the tree would grow and aslan says the tree will be a shield to narnia and that the witch will go nowhere near it for a real long time she's fled to the north and will continue to grow in dark magic polly asks aslan if it'll work since the witch ate one of those apples in the garden so wouldn't she be immune to it But Aslan says that that is actually why it will work, because by eating one, she has made the rest of them like horror, poison to her. Uh, The witch will stay young forever, but with no joy or contentment. So Aslan says if Diggory had taken the apple to his mother, like the witch said, it would have healed her, but not in the way they hoped, and there would have been no joy in it. But now he offers Diggory a new apple that will both heal and bring joy. Diggory, stunned in disbelief, goes and plucks an apple, and then asks if they can go home. Also doesn't say thank you, but that's cool. Uh, and the chapter ends.
1: Chapter ends. Chase, well done, good and faithful Diggory. Uh, that's more or less what I I read whenever I began this chapter. Uh, it says, well done, said Aslan in a, an earth-shaking voice, which seems dangerous, but, you know, it okay. seems legit.
0: I think that's just your voice, Kelp.
1: Ah man, that's sweet. I'll take it. I uh I hope that the earth shakes when I speak or at least uh when I intend it to cuz I don't want like people to be frightened of me. But
0: oh, well, it's a blessing and a curse to have a voice. It's a
1: blessing and a curse. I uh you know, it is what it is. Uh I I've been known to either uh terrify young children or to be really exciting uh with such a deep and crazy voice. So, uh you know, Pick your poison.
0: I mean, my poison is an apple. But uh
1: Bingo. That brings <laughs> us back to the chapter.
0: And the theme of that chapter is uh explanation. Because <laughs> that's basically everything that happens in this chapter, is just what's yeah. the longest way that we can explain what's happening right now?
1: Yeah, honestly, the last two chapters, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis really spent a lot of his action uh writing in the last chapter or two really Uh, got it all out of the way then Uh, uh, because these chapters to end the book, he's really like, ah, all right, let's just get this done.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of pragmatism happening here.
1: Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, but on the heels of the last chapter, we've just come, we, uh, we've had our children and Fledge, uh, the horse, Uh, they have now flown to Aslan and he, Diggory hands Aslan the apple. Uh, but this whole trip, Diggory's been kind of bummed because he, you know, thinks that his mom's never going to be healed again. So that's sad. Uh, spoiler alert. If you did not listen to the summary, that'll be okay. Don't worry. Uh, but uh, he found that when he was looking, I thought it was really neat, says uh, when he was looking into Aslan's eyes that he could look straight into them. One, he wasn't, you know, darting his head around trying to avoid eye contact. And that too, that he'd forgotten his troubles and he felt absolutely content. And I think that's really neat. Just being able to feel completely satisfied uh, that you don't need anything else uh, other than who this lion is. I think that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's also, Oh, go for it.
0: Oh, if you've got something,
1: uh, I was just gonna say it's uh, give a fair warning for these last two chapters. Uh, Clive subtlety Lewis uh, does not uh, strive, or he does not uh, pull pull punches in making biblical allusions in these last two chapters.
0: Oh yeah, it's wild. But what he does pull punches in, in is just saying things that make sense. Like For sure. there were a lot of really weird details in this chapter, particularly that I was just like, why would you say it that way or do it that way? Like, 100%. for example, one of the first things that happens in this chapter is the planting of the fruit, right? And for sure, Aslan for sure. tells Diggory that since he's labored so hard to get the fruit, he should be the one to sow it. And sure, Makes sense. that's fine. I get that. What I don't get is why sowing it is literally just a vague toss into some dirt nearby. It's is like that you, not how
1: you plant seeds?
0: It's like Aslan told him, like, hey, since you worked so hard for this, let's have a game of catch. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the image I got from this. It's just like, why, why is there so little effort being put in to actually sewing this apple? Like, why is it like that for all the random details in this book, all the strange things that C.S. Lewis focuses on to have this final act, which is like going to save Narnia for hundreds of years, just kind of brush to the side That's so odd to me. It's like a video game that didn't bother to do the animation of digging a hole and planting it. So you just kind of throw it in the general direction and it just appears like that's, that's what happens in this chapter, but it's actually written down by this great author. You sparked
1: sparked a, you sparked a train of thought for me real quick. And I want you to just indulge me as I, uh, it's not like we were going to do anything else here. Kel. Uh, What
0: is this podcast? If not indulgent.
1: (laughs) So, Hear me out, Aslan is a lion, correct?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, also a lion, Mufasa. Mufasa voiced by James Earl Jones. Of course. James Earl Jones stars in The Field of Dreams, where at the end of the movie, they have a catch. And you know what they say, Chase, that's a, uh, if you build it, they will come. and They're just tossing the ball around, Having a great time. There's a lot of magic and and weirdness in in the field of dreams. Very beautiful movie. And I just I think this is an intentional, uh an intentional illusion by C.S. Lewis to the field of dreams that he knew would one day be made into a movie, along with The Lion King, saying that by tossing this seed into like having a catch with this apple seed or this apple, that boom, if you throw it a tree will come. It's, it's indefensible logic for me. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, that actually makes a lot of sense because this is the part in the story where a bunch of ghosts wander out of the, uh, just the cornfield that's next to the tree. So it all really adds up.
1: Yes. I, I, I'm i glad that you sparked my, my thought process here because I don't think there's any other explanation. Speaking of explanation, as I,
0: I I am glad we went on that journey because <laughs> 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 it, it was it was an interesting one.
1: Hey, that's what I'm here for.
0: I, I don't know if we can handle those hot takes, Kel.
1: <laughs> my, my takes, my takes range anywhere from like 30 degrees Fahrenheit to 70 degrees. Nowhere near hot, but sometimes you could be comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, you just left that take in the microwave like ten seconds too short.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's still got a little bit frozen in the middle.
0: Yeah, this like is, not so much that you're gonna put it back in because that'd be too much work. But like, no, it it's still it's it's warm enough. It's fine.
1: It's it's fine because you don't want it to be scolding. So
0: no, I mean I like it. Of all the crossovers that I thought we were gonna get into, Field of Dude, Dreams. It's,
1: it's a random one. It's given. It. It's hey. C.S. Lewis. He's uh he's a generous guy.
0: Uh, well while we're on hot takes, my hot take, King and Queen, Frank and Helen, it sounds like a pair of sitcom next door neighbors. Like that's like, not It does
1: not sound royal. It's not
0: Kingly and, and Queenly. That no. is uh, Yeah. Frank, also Franky. I just love there's a moment where it just briefly throws shade at Helen, who apparently did not look good with her hair up. Hey, it mentions that she looks a lot better now. now. But it doesn't say it in a way that says she looks good now. It just says apparently she looked bad before.
1: Hey, it did a lot of work in improving her appearance. (laughs) Uh, So, like, fun fact C.S. Lewis, not a fan of the updo.
0: Yeah, apparently. He just wants to, to wedge that in there. He's and then, of course, Fletch with is with great fashion molly, taste. and it's tickling her ear to have, like, a horse's nose by her face. Like, th- these are the random details we get in this book, in this Dude. chapter, particularly. All right.
1: This is, this is me. I'm going to nitpick here for a sec. But what are we here to not do? Or, like, what are we here if not to do some nitpicking? But for a Brit, for a guy who is supposedly, you know, Uh, like learned in the English language, him and J.R.R. Tolkien both do this. And it kind of bothers me. Chase, if you were to end a word in the letter F and then you make it plural, what do you do?
0: Usually changes to V-E-S, right?
1: That's correct. That is what you're taught as a (laughs) child. That is grammatically correct.
0: Putting me on the spot with my language skills here.
1: Hey, dude! I'm proud of you. You passed You pass, uh English 101. Uh, but J.R.R. R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis both do this, I believe. The word "dwarves" should be D W A R V E S, and they spell them both D W A R F S. And it oh, does bothers he do me. Do
0: that? I did not notice that. Like, Man, yeah, that's that's infuriating.
1: <laughs> it's it's. It's it's a really small thing. It only happens a few times, but you look at it, and I can't get over it.
0: That's wrong. Like it's that not, would like be spelling elves. Elves.
1: I think that I I don't know if uh, J.R.R. Tolkien does elves, but he might. Honestly, I think I'm almost positive that he does uh. for dwarves. And like, I don't know if there's a difference because it is the race of dwarves, but. I just had to speak my truth here.
0: No, but like, yeah, that's still just wrong. That's not okay.
1: It it bothers me.
0: I, this is like, I, I feel like violence has been done against me. For
1: some I mean, reason. I mean, he's the he's the internationally renowned author, and I'm not. So, like, you know, yeah. he can do whatever he wants, I guess. Or you know, he did. Uh, mean,
0: that just that does remind me of something that my fourth grade English teacher said that you're not allowed to start with a sentence with a capital and unless you're a published author.
1: Dude, okay, here's when, the thing. When you're
0: published you can do what you want cuz someone's paying you for it.
1: We're going on a lot of tangents here that have nothing to do with this book, but oh, I just like I feel like it is a frustrating uh concept in like English classes growing up that all the books that we read that you're required to read are by predominantly authors who break norms who like don't you know they leave hanging participles and they have weird sentence structures and uh they use uh interest they'll start sentences with and or some other uh you know prepositional phrase or you know who knows what it might be things that you're taught not to do and then you get in trouble on your papers or your whatever for doing those things it's like yeah but you just admired that guy for doing that same thing so rant over but whatever uh back to Frank and Helen the king and queen of Brooklyn.
0: Is that what uh, we we're talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh cuz the dwarves are uh you know they're 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 helping them they're holding their train and the river nymphs are holding her train and it's a thing. Uh but the yeah, king and queen Frank and Helen uh it just sounds like they they sounds like they're in like a Brooklyn suburb uh and like they have like like a royal you know themed restaurant or something like that. i like, it's King Frank and Queen Helen.
0: Yeah. And like, they're, they're just going with it. Everybody loves their son, Raymond. The first yeah. The second king of Narnia.
1: The second king of Narnia. <laughs> and then Raymond they're, Romano.
0: They're, they're the less loved son, Robert, who gets kicked oh. <laughs> out to, Ar- to Archon land.
1: Man. That's why, that's why there's so many issues between Narnia and the other lands in Narnia. <laughs>
0: That would mean that Deborah is a wood nymph, but I don't know if hey. that holds up to canon.
1: uh you know the the podcast where all of the <laughs> the pop culture things get melded into one. We, we never know what is going to happen,
0: but uh, our, our motes now includes both Field of Dreams and Everybody Loves Raymond.
1: Hey, there's a lot of pools in the in the wood between the worlds, Chase. You never know. less
0: as we'll discover next chapter. Oh boy, you're Which, right. I will point out, I was right in like the third episode.
1: You were, you were. Uh, I will give all props to you. Next episode, whenever we get there. Uh, oh, cool. Right now, zero props for you. Uh, but as we make our way through, uh, so they have, they are preparing the king and queen uh, to uh, get uh, coronated and and to become officially royal and whatnot and there's this really cool thing as it's like all right bring out these you know three items and let's see what we find uh and it's really neat as you mentioned in your summary that we see a beautiful tree of gold and a beautiful tree of silver and then
0: uh,
1: a former, tree uh, a, former tree, <laughs> a former tree a tree in transition named uncle andrew <laughs>
0: um uh, yeah one of these things is not like the other
1: <laughs> so i'll get to uncle andrew in just a sec but because I'm the resident Silmarillion expert on this uh, podcast of two, uh, this is a really neat, uh, another like little parallel between him and C.S. Lewis and his good buddy John uh, about uh, the. Like similarities between Narnia and the Silmarillion and Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth as a whole, because in Valinor, Chase, obviously, as you're aware, the land of the uh, the West, the Undying Lands, it's the lands where the obviously yeah, you're, you you get it. Uh, so Valinor is where the like Maiar and the Valar, who are the like they're like the high and low angels, basically, uh, sure. and then the and then the elves start living. But in this land, there are two trees. You've guessed it. There's a gold one and a silver one that came from the original lights of Middle Earth uh, that became these trees. And then these trees became the sun and the moon, as well as devoting some of their light to the Silmarils, which obviously are the jewels that, you know, give the title to the book, The Silmarillion. So uh, just another little fun parallel between the two uh, authors and their respective works.
0: Wait, I thought the sun and the moon were fish that lived at the North Pole.
1: I believe you may be referencing uh Avatar, uh the not the not the animated uh show, the the one with uh the, the blue people.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. They they became fish by hooking up their ponytails to a tree.
1: <laughs> yes, that's canon, I believe. I, that
0: tree was not named Uncle Andrew, who <laughs> we do learn a few things here about what he's been doing since we last saw him. He's had a rough time. Yeah. But Before we get into the specifics, so there's this line that I got caught up up on. His trousers were really in a shocking state by now. I just want to know, did Uncle Andrew poop his pants?
1: I think we have to assume that he did. Uh, I mean,
0: it would make sense. He was unconscious for a good portion of this. It's been like at least over a day.
1: You would assume at least.
0: If not, he's stopped up, but also, like, his trousers are in a really shocking state.
1: And, and like, to, you know, to his shame credit, at least, he's been planted in the mud. So, like, his pants, regardless, are going to be covered in, like, a brown substance. This is the opportunity to take. Yeah. If you've got to poop your pants, like...
0: Although, if you're already in the mud, then it's just fertilizer. Like,
1: this it's just fertilizer, but, like... No one's going to know the difference between mud and poop at this point, uh, except for Aslan. But, like, I don't, Aslan doesn't seem like the guy to snitch on something like that. Uh, so, Although, but I'm with you.
0: Uncle Andrew's rename is the best rename so far. Because up to this point, all the new names have been a little rough. I kind of like Brandy. Brandy's a fun name.
1: Now, She's a, <laughs> the sailors say, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good, what wife, a, what you good wife you would be. Uh, or or what a great drink you would be. Because
0: wait, so does this mean that Uncle Andrew is Star Lord's mother?
1: Uh man, another crossover that you didn't need or want. Uh no, I I think when we read that that whole section about like him calling out brandy, that like it's kind of funny, but it's also yeah. like, oh man.
0: Oh, I have in my notes, is Uncle Andrew an alcoholic, and should we be worried?
1: I think you answered your own questions there, Chase. The answer is 100% yes. He's not a a stable man.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a spoiler alert for the next chapter, but the very first thing he does when he's back in his world is, like, run to his room to drink by himself.
1: (laughs) To be fair, the first thing he does when the witch comes to see him is go get a drink. Like...
0: Yeah, this I is a pattern at this point. This is his go-to coping mechanism. This is just a public service announcement. If you're struggling with alcohol, please seek help. Please seek help. As the child of an alcoholic,
1: so you know that's that, Uncle Andrew. Not a tree. Get some help. Yeah. But as in this process of being deplanted, uh, the the animals in great intention m- miserably fail to feed him and i just it's it's really funny uh this it, is just like this moment of levity at the end of the book and everything and so, yeah, so this is like all right well the animals they cared a lot about feeding this creature because they now see that it's not a tree but a living animal uh, and so they try to feed it it says the donkey tries to feed him thistles like like thorns like of <laughs> and course so he throws thistles at him and then it's like the squirrels throw nuts at him just pelting him with little acorns and then it says the birds just drop a bunch of worms on him. <laughs> and the best one, the 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 piece de resistance here, is the bear just wallops him with a beehive, just smacks him with a beehive.
0: Gets hit in the face. It's real and funny. Although would be delicious with the exception of like getting stung and stuff. Sure, fresh honey sounds great.
1: Fresh honey, awesome. Getting surrounded by bees while having nowhere to escape because they put him in a cage, and having thorns all around you and getting pelted with acorns and worms—less than fun.
0: Although, so, honestly, if anyone deserves it, Uncle Andrew deserves it. This is
1: this is a it's a rough comeuppance for him.
0: I mean, look, sure. this is still better than getting waterboarded two chapters ago, so. I think he should be counted his blood. I is, think so.
1: Would you rather be waterboarded? I haven't
0: personally been waterboarded, but I have to imagine I'd rather get stung by a bee than get waterboarded. waterboarded. Have
1: you Have you seen Nick Cage in The Wicker Man? This is what I... No. Imagine. The bees, Chase. The bees. That's... I, I don't understand. I don't know what's worse. But moving even, on from... I don't
0: even get the reference but i just love just, saying the bees the just, bees
1: just just look up nick cage the bees you'll thank me later i uh,
0: now i gre- know what i'm doing with the rest of my day the rest the actor, of my year
1: the actor. well you know it's not uh it is it is uh, yeah, december 31st so we're
0: recording this on new year's eve
1: so uh all that to say uh they begin talking about Uncle Andrew because uh, they're like, "Oh yeah, like we forgot about him." And then they're like, "Hey, Aslan, could you like make him a little like less terrified and not wanting to come back here?" And he's like, "Which would he want to?" And they're like, "Ah, he he's pretty like you know business minded here. He may want to plant some stuff." And then Aslan confirms our theory that. Uh, you can only really plant things in the first few days because the magic of his song is still in the air and in the ground, creating little land bubbles, um, and so of course. he he wouldn't be able to plant any tanks or anything like that uh, in the ground and create more. Um, and so that is good, uh, but then he gets into a real uh, he he makes this statement that like we said uh, earlier, this is a very like biblical illusion packed next two chapters and he 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 is just going for it now because he says uh but i cannot like he he's trying to um you know tell the kids that like hey everything's fine regardless uh but he says but i can't tell this to this old sinner and i cannot and i cannot comfort him either he's made himself unable to hear my voice if i spoke to him he would only hear growlings and roarings Oh, Adam's sons, how cleverly you defend yourselves against all that might do you good. Um, which is you have a,
0: a beautiful line.
1: It's Since very... He's
0: not a Calvinist.
1: Not, not indeed. Uh, he's he's something, but he's uh, he's not a Calvinist. But he says, uh, this, this reminds me of, of Matthew chapter 13, which is quoting a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. But basically it says that, uh, people will be hearing but not understanding they'll be seeing uh, they shall they'll look but they'll never see they'll never be able to understand what's happening in them because because they've closed themselves off to understanding to hearing to seeing to perceiving but if because if they did perceive and they did hear and they did see then they would be able to turn to jesus i.e aslan and find healing they would be able to find the comfort they were looking for but they have blocked themselves off and I'm going to get more into that message a little bit later and the further up and further in, but he is definitely going hard right now in this, in this frame of mind.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: But he does give uncle Andrew the one thing that he's able to, a good old long sleep. If only, If only.
0: if, if Aslan could just, let me have a have a nice nap. I would really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I think an Aslan nap would be pretty clutch. Like, like, you gotta feel pretty good about it.
0: Like, could we get the Aslan sleep app? Like, where he just... It's like an ASMR deal where he just says hmm. sleep over and over again. <laughs> until we fall asleep. Because I... I have insomnia, and I read this. It was just like, oh, I wish someone would put me to sleep.
1: And then he puts his paws over your eyelids, and he's retracted them because he's a cat, and he just, you know, he's not.
0: The claws would be a worry.
1: He's not ripping your face to shreds like he will to another child in a few books, Uh, but, but that's a good thing. Don't worry, we'll get Uh, there. Uh, But he just closes your eyes. Hey, doesn't it all, you know. But so Uncle Andrew put to sleep. gets a nice little moment to just take a nap. But then uh Aslan commands the dwarfs to uh <laughs> then uh display their their abilities to make uh to to smith to to make metal uh, and beautiful metal objects. Yeah, and it's a really cool
0: a, scene like times two speed.
1: Yes. They put this in fast forward cuz C.S. Lewis knows he's got to keep this at a at a good page count.
0: Yeah, it's the amount of like actions that happen in this chapter that are all vaguely connected but like not really connected. Like there's a lot of changing direction in this chapter. Cuz oh, yeah. he's really just packing in okay, what's everything left that has to happen in Narnia so we can get out of Narnia. And so go. we just got to okay, this page well, I guess we got to crown the king and queen he- Frank and Helen. And then Obviously. this page, okay, we got to wrap up Uncle Andrew. This page, okay, we got to wrap up what's going on with way It's just all like, okay, boom, boom, boom. Like, there's not a lot of flow to this chapter, I guess.
1: No, no, it just, it just, like we said, this is the explanation chapter. Things just need to be wrapped up with a bow here. And, and it happens. And so the dwarfs... Uh they make these beautiful gold and silver crowns that they put on the queen and king's head, and then uh Aslan tells them to rise up to the king and queen of Narnia to rise up, right? Uh so they they rise up and they look behind them and chase, it is an unexpected meeting. There's a tree.
0: What? How did that get there?
1: It's almost like magic. Uh it's almost like C.S. Lewis really needed this tree to hurry up and grow. <laughs> so it's there.
0: To be fair, a lot of stuff has been growing real quickly. I feel like it would have been fine for it to just like start to be poking through the soil. Like like when the land... But it's comes. like full grown, yeah. Well, of course, because we have to pluck another piece of fruit from it. And Obviously. baby trees don't have fruit. They got to yeah. go through tree puberty first.
1: I feel like in was like... And let's look over to the king and queen. Look at the dwarves. They're making crowns. And then he's he's done like some magical uh like supplanting of this tree and yeah. brought in a new one. And then that's, everyone turns around and he's like, Is this your tree?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why this is so choppy. It's all just sleight of hand.
1: That's he's the great magician, uh for sure. And the magician's um, nephew. Wait, no, hold my, on.
0: The the magician's lion?
1: The ma- the The lion, it's got to be your bull. The lion's Uh, nephew. The lion's nephew, the magician. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. Uh, Comma, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Um, Cool. Yes. So, yeah. But Asla, this tree is now just up in rows silently and stealthily as a tree does. Um, They describe
0: it like raising, like silently raising a flag on a morning, which to me is just like... If if the tree fully grew underground, but then was like on an elevator that just like lifted up above, you just <laughs> the leaves coming out of the ground first, it's, and it's just all already there.
1: It just the 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 ground slides apart to create an opening, and then the tree just pops up. Like if this tree does grow fast and silently, sure, I'll believe it as much as I can. But if it just pops out of the ground, you'd imagine you'd at least hear like the earth moving.
0: I feel like it, there should be a good poof,
1: yeah, like, something. Something. But whatever, we're not uh we're not uh, in in botany or um, you know, anything like that. So whatever. Uh herbology as they'll say. Um, but Aslan gives this command to the Narnians to guard the tree to protect it because that's going to be what protects the uh Narnians from the witch. Uh she I can't guess go they with-
0: fail at that at some point
1: at some point uh for some reason this tree doesn't work uh we never really get an explanation in any of the books as to why she can Uh, eventually approach but she does
0: i've got theories next chapter
1: next chapter we'll get into that then but uh he says hey you know protect this tree blah 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 and then uh, uh diggory and polly are like oh right we forgot to mention that witch she ate a she ate one of those apples so is that an issue and aslan's like don't worry already figured that she had and they're like
0: yeah, nah bro it's cool she,
1: and they're like wait if she's eating this apple why is this tree gonna defend great question one that we've asked and then aslan just really much just yada yadas here yeah. but uh as opposed to getting into the reasoning for why this tree will actually block them, he gives a nice uh little 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 statement about the consequences of our actions, really getting into some biblical, um, you know, foundation here yeah, again.
0: Which I'll talk a little bit more about that in my further up. And I
1: think, but I think both of us will. That's the big thing to take away from this chapter. Uh, but he talks about uh, how she will not be able to approach because uh, because she did eat it, and the things uh, that we want uh, for the witch. She has won her heart's desire, unwearying strength and endless days, but that her days are only going to be filled with misery. And she already knows it and everyone will get what they want, but not all will like it. It's a very, you know, subtle jab here. Uh,
0: Yeah. What confused me about this. Okay. So say that Diggory had listened to the witch. Sure. Sure. And he went back to try to save his mom and gave her the apple and it did heal her what what does that mean like does it just also mean that his mom has depression now like what is what is the deal here because like there's a certain level where aslan says to do the same thing Mm -hmm. that the witch says to do just at a different time but even like the way is not that different because Diggory is not taking the fruit for himself.
1: It's 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 real wonky the rules of this. But if we're looking straight up at just the consequences of the actions here, um, I think what we can infer is that you know if Diggory himself would have you know consumed of it, he would have gotten a similar treatment to what the witch. Would have gotten where it's like he would have remained young and strong and healthy, uh, but he would have been miserable and then giving it to his mom because he took it selfishly, like for selfish motive. And he wasn't given it like he will be in a few paragraphs that uh, his mom would have been healed, but she would have been miserable and she would have made everyone else miserable.
0: What if Diggory had picked a second apple? Given mm. it to Polly and ah. Polly had gone back to give it to his mom and he had gone back to give an apple to Aslan. Would that have the same math equation as this?
1: I I think so, because I think what we're supposed to realize here is the only one who could actually like give away the fruit from this tree is Aslan. I think that's what you're supposed to infer. But
0: I don't, I don't, it just feels like a lot of loops. And oh yeah,
1: CS Lewis very much just like pushes us along real fast here. He goes, ah, just don't worry about it. Just uh, don't
0: pay attention to how this contradicts what we said last chapter. Just keep, just keep swimming.
1: Just keep swimming and don't eat any apples unless I give them to you, in which case you can, but it's going to be different. It's a different apple, but it came from the same tree. So it's kind of the same apple, but it's not.
0: It's like if a parent has, like, let's say $20 in their purse. If a kid stole the $20 from the purse, that would be stealing and it'd be wrong. But if the kid asks their parent for something and the parent says, oh, here, let me get that for you, that's a gift.
1: Correct. Uh, and if you steal that $20 from your parents' purse, then you're going to be miserable all of your life. So, uh, but
0: if you stole that $20 to buy your parents, something nice, it's okay.
1: You should do that. It's almost okay.
0: Everyone steal $20 from your parents' purse and Venmo it to Cal Casper.
1: <laughs> hey, won't stop you. I will not. Um, uh, but whatever. So all this to say, uh, Queen gives off some real Voldemort uh, drinking some unicorn blood vibes here because she's going to live a long time, but it's going to be miserable. You're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it. No, wait, that's the opposite. Um, So uh, then they go through the, uh, the hypotheticals here, and then boom, plot twist. No one saw this coming. It's an unexpected meeting that Aslan gives an apple of this tree freely to Diggory. We never saw this coming. Uh, And so that he can go and heal his mom. But then the chapter ends. And for a guy who's been like complimenting the children of this book for their manners compared to the manners of children today when he's writing this. Diggory doesn't even say thank you. And that's how the chapter ends.
0: Which C.S. Lewis makes a point to tell us that Diggory didn't say thank you. Like that was a decision. That was not an accident. Like, like this is these people don't exist. Sorry to break it for to you. Uh maybe in what? your own head canon, this is real life. But like this is an imaginary child who didn't have to say thank you or not say thank you. It could have just gone without saying. Yeah. But we make a point to say, nah, Diggory didn't say thank you. He just wanted to go home. But it's cool because Aslan knew.
1: Yeah. It like I don't understand the point of that. Like, why not just have him say thank you? And like, it didn't even need to be a long drawn out thing. And Aslan can just like, and like, and Aslan nodded in understanding.
0: Yeah. Uh, or like he wanted to say thank you, but he couldn't make the words, but he could see in Aslan's eyes that he knew. Like that would be like a more like just, meaningful way, but it was like Diggory was just over it. He said, can I just go home out now? Let's get out of here. Yeah. Like I'm done with this. And then but it's cool because Aslan knew that he was tired and had a long day, so and he didn't even get to eat an apple yet. So he was just gonna go ahead and go home.
1: Here, kid, take this apple of youth that's gonna give your dying mom life, uh anything to say? Yeah, can I go home? Oh, so close. The answer was thank you. But what what do I know? What well, do I know, down Chase? With,
0: down with dickery. It,
1: down with the Chase, do you have anything else before we head into the further up and further in?
0: I think I'm good.
1: How about you start us off? Because ours are pretty similar here.
0: Cool, cool. Well, uh, as we've said, we learned that the reason the tree that uh, they planted repels the witch is because she ate the apple. So she got what she wanted, she gets to be young forever, Uh, but now all the other fruits of the same tree or variety or type or, I don't know, whatever, those are now horrific and repellent to her. So by getting what she wants, she is also unintentionally creating the groundwork for the consequences that she is going to face. This actually made me think of a Dumbledore quote, Uh, Voldemort himself created his worst enemy just as tyrants everywhere do. So this is a common trope in literature that I actually really like, that the villain brings their own downfall upon themselves. That through the relentless pursuit of their own goals, with no mind for the consequences, no willingness to acknowledge that sometimes limits are good and wise, they end up creating the very thing that will destroy them. So Voldemort made Harry his enemy by trying to remove him from the board and in the process gave him the very drive and the powers that he would need to defeat him. Or Thanos, by uniting the Infinity Stones, created the only thing powerful enough to destroy him. It's, it's a side effect of hubris and pride to think that you will be stronger than the consequences of your actions. And Here, the witch has gotten the eternal use she desired but it will be an eternity without joy, and the very thing that she sought to gain by doing this, rulership over this new world, has been taken from her by her own hand because of the fruit. Not only that, but that fruit is leading to the tree that will become the wardrobe that will bring the Pevensey children and her downfall. It all comes back around.
1: It all comes back around. And that leads me to my further up and further in, which deals with the consequences of of our own actions. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks a lot about this, where we've made ourselves blind and deaf to the words of Aslan and just in the same way, that we've made ourselves blind and deaf to the words and actions of Jesus. Uh, that is the uh, ultimate inference he's making here. And then with the witch, he says that one day we will all get what we want, but we may not like it. We may not actually enjoy the thing that we get. Uh, and that's a really, that's a very real and dark truth that is stated by C.S. Lewis in a kid's book, talking not about, oh, like, hey, you may want candy now, but eventually you're going to get sick if you eat too much of it. No, nope, this is very much a claim on our eternal future, that if, uh, if you want total autonomy and freedom from God, eventually you will get it but you're not going to like it because with God, with Jesus comes life and joy and hope. Uh, And with freedom from him, autonomy from him, which he will, unfortunately, like he will freely give. Those things bring death and suffering just as the witch wants power and autonomy and freedom here. She'll get that, but it's going to be a miserable existence for her. And if the children had wanted similar things, they would have, found similar things and so it's a very very like heavy truth that he just like slaps on at the end of this book uh, that you know talk about eternal future
0: it's almost like the fruit doesn't taste as good as it smells
1: something like that something like that we got a something about uh planting seeds bear, bearing the right kind of fruit uh fruit metaphor tree yes There's a tree that was planted. Uh and now it's in, in it's in the river. No, it's uh it's a golden tree. It's got apples. Um Chase, help me out here. Um uh, stro- uh metaphor. Um
0: well we're ready to go home now. And-, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we don't expect you to say thank you. <laughs> because who knows what you're feeling. You may wanna you may want to head home too, but before you head home, you can give us a thank you without saying it, but we'll know you mean it. If you go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you may find podcasts, give us a five star rating, leave us a beautiful uh, review, follow us on Instagram, engage with us on social media, and keep tuning in as we continue on to the ultimate chapter of this book and eventually into. The one that everyone actually knows, the language in the wardrobe.
0: Yeah, we'll get there eventually.
1: But until then, have a great twenty twenty one. Peace out. Bye. Hey. Uh not you don't have to call me a hero, but if you want to, I wouldn't stop you.
0: No, no, it's okay, go. No one was calling you a hero.
1: Chase, you don't have to call me a hero. It's nope, okay.
0: Nope. I, I think I think we're Chase,
1: good. stop. Like it's okay. I you can I can see it in your eyes. That's all that I need to know. And your eyes are blinking, Kel. You're a hero. I, eyes
0: are blinking, <laughs> darting back and forth. Can't make eye contact.
1: It's Morse code. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would. It's it's okay. I get it. I. You don't need to say it without me knowing.
0: Cool, cool. I mean, as long as. You feel that you're a hero. You're good. You're hey, good. dude, I
1: don't. I don't need to call myself a hero because <laughs> your eyes are already doing that.
0: Right, you're my hero, Cal.
1: <laughs> oh, that, uh, Chase, stop it! You didn't have to say <laughs> that.